As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. As the quarterfinals pick up exactly where the last 16 left off, as Italy and Belgium deliver the game of the tournament. And a wasteful Spain find their form from the penalty spot to break Swiss hearts. Once again, we'll be joined by Jose Mourinho to get his views ahead of Ukraine versus England. All that and more on this episode of the game Euro 2020. I'm Hugh Wilsoncroft. Joining me today, Matt Lawton, Gregor Robertson and Matt Dickinson. Gentlemen, how are you? Good, Hugh. Good, very good. I might I might have to pick a, a one quibble with you straight from the start. It was a game of the tournament. I thought it was brilliant, brilliant game, compelling, but um, France, Switzerland, I'm afraid... Yeah, for drama. I'm still I'm still sticking with that. Just for the drama. I thought this game was technically the game of the tournament, tactically the game of the tournament. And I thought it had such a high level of intensity. I thought it edged um France against Switzerland, but you know, that's just in my humble opinion and I guess I don't want I don't want to start off on a bad foot. Tom Clark's going <laughs> ballistic somewhere that we're not getting along from the off. So let's let's calm things down already, Matt Dickinson. Italy will face Spain in the first semi-final. That's at Wembley, of course, on Tuesday night. And for me, the game in Munich, as I say, was absolutely sensational. I think it would have been a fitting final. It finished Belgium one, Italy two. Matt Dickinson, the Italians for me, irrepressible. No, absolutely. They just carry on doing what you know. You wonder if, at some stage, they they might run out of gas. I guess you know we did see that um, in the last last run out, and they you know they they got frustrated, but this time they're just back back to sort of full tilt and just yeah, just a team that is Mancini's just done a hell of a job, hasn't he? I mean, he's you know motivationally, organisationally, you know, he's got a proper squad. You can see that he can rotate the the cast and other players come in and they're equally you know adept and you know moti- well uh, energetic and motivated it's yeah it's just i mean they don't you know i still think they you know they they um could do with a absolute world-class striker but they seem to you know um d- do without one um and you know when you've got insignia scoring goals like that then you can do <laughs> um i mean i guess the only you know, real sadness of their night was um, Spinazzolo. You know, I mean, to see the guy get injured was bad enough. To see him in tears, and then to hear that it could be a, a really bad injury. You know, the guy. You know, he was probably the one player in the whole tournament that was in everyone's team of the tournament. No quibbling, no messing. He's in, so that's um, yeah. He's he's huge for them, so that's quite a blow. Gregor, I know you're a big fan of Leonardo <laughs> Spinazzola. You're, you're heartbroken right now. Yeah, I, I think he was the player of the tournament. Personally, I know it's odd to say that about a left back when, but I, I can't see anyone who was who had such a big impact on on their team and was so kind of unstoppable. It was he was outstanding and 
Yeah, terrible. A massive blow for them because that was the strongest feature of their play, those overloads down the left. Particularly as Verratti's come back into the team, he kind of drifts over to the left and seen you there. You know, that, that, that kind of little triangle. And also, I another thing, I, I just absolutely re- like loved watching Chiellini defending today as well. Just, but you know, we'll come to that. But he offers a bit of balance too, just the fact that he's got, you know, he's left-sided, left-footed, and they basically go to a back three and he, you know, he's, he's a natural fit there. So I think having him back in the team helps as well. So huge blow to lose Spinazzola, but Italy were outstanding. I mean, as you say, the intensity, the the, the way they pressed really high at times, you know, Vertonghen made an error for the first goal, but they were right on top of them and Barella punished them. Great finish. I thought Barella, you know, there's some calls to put Locatelli in or Piscina, but Barella was superb. Um, and the one change... Chiesa on the on the right, he you know he he was he was outstanding as well. So Mancini has definitely he's got the Midas touch at the moment. Everything he's everything he's every decision he makes is is coming off, and they are the team to beat. They are the team to stop. So look out, England. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to whether anyone can stop them in a moment. But uh, Matt Lawson, I think Greg has taken me on nicely to the next point. This Italian defence, not just Chiellini, who at one point I think celebrated getting smashed on the head by a, a Kevin De Bruyne drive. <laughs> That's he, brilliant. He had a right smile with him afterwards. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. He absolutely loved it, didn't he, throughout. And they kept Romelu Lukaku, so many people looking out for Lukaku in this game. Of course, he plays in Italy for Inter Milan to deliver. And the Italian defence, they kept him completely quiet. It was a, another traditional Italian defensive performance. It was beautiful to watch. They've looked like this from the very start of the tournament. You know, th- that first game and you just thought, wow, that is a really well-balanced, well-organised team. But with the ability to, you know, with flair, with flair up front, with the ability to keep the ball, like they keep the ball beautifully, don't they? The way they're moving around the sort of Belgian box tonight they're just fantastic and I think you know we're watching you know the the two Robertos in the in the in the two technical areas tonight you just feel watching Mancini there you just feel like you're watching Lippi in in 2000 and um 2006 wasn't it and it it, they just feel like they've got all the all the all the right elements I, I did feel towards the end they got a little bit cynical. Like there's a there's a brilliant bit of footage uh, that's already been picked up on Twitter tonight, which is I think their first goal, and the immobile is on the is on the um, is on the ground looking like he's looking like he's dying, and then the ball flies over him and goes in the back of the net, and he's suddenly up and running to join the celebrations. It's a, so there's, there's a little bit of the sort of classic Italians in there, and they, you know they were time wasting, and as I say, a little. A little bit of cynical towards the end, but uh, they're a terrific team, and you know it's it's dare I say it, dare I say it with Gregor online, but it's looking a bit like an Italy England final, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, I quite enjoyed all of the games from Italy at the end. You know, I, I think me too. As long as it's not the team, it's not your team they're playing against. I think it's yeah. box office stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if England are the opponent there, you're screaming at them. They're horrible guys. They're like, you know. But if it's not your team, I think it's you know that's just part of Italy's characteristic, and it's 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 still a part of the game. No matter what anyone wants to say about it, it's still part of the game. Killing a game off like that. But also, I mean, it was a lesson for the Belgian defence. Thomas Vermaelen for that Barella goal, trying a little through pass, you know, five or six yard through pass on the edge of his box. You know, when he should have put it, you know, into the dugout on the halfway line, basically smashed it towards his manager. You know, the Italian defence, they just wouldn't do that. You know, there is there is a sensible 
nature to this Italian team as well, doing the pragmatic thing. And I think that's the sort of tactic that takes you far in a tournament. Gregor? A defender or, or just someone with the kind of presence and personality of a Chiellini or a Bonucci in that Belgium team, is what that's what they've lacked. They just don't seem to have that little bit of grit and kind of, I don't know, some that little bit of nastiness even. That just never really taken them over the line. So I, I kind of watching it thinking that's what Belgium have lacked all the way through. They've got all the talent in the world. They just don't have that kind of, I, I don't want to say backbone, that sounds too strong, but something that some kind of solidity. You know, you watch, <laughs> I don't want to bang on about it, but when Spinazzola <laughs> blocked the, the Lukaku one as well, and they're all over, you know, celebrating and slapping each other and stuff. <laughs> 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 oh, it's cracking, box office stuff. <laughs> that was my next point, Matt Lawton. That Lukaku, for me, that's a miss. You know, it was blocked on the goal line, but you've got a striker of Lukaku's ability, of his talent, Two yards out. I mean, it's on his bad foot. It's on his right foot. But I'm sorry, yeah. you just sided with that inside the post, don't you? It was, you know, you've got to think about the, the momentum of, you know, his movement. The, the ball is bouncing. Yeah, it's just, it's incredibly unlucky. Um, he's on target, isn't he? And it and it and it, and it, and it hits the uh, it hits the defender's backside. Um, but he, you know, it's. It's just these things happen in milliseconds, don't they? You know, uh, when when we watch it, when we watch it slow down, you think, "Oh my word, how's he missed that?" But um, uh, it, it it happens so fast. I, I think that's just you know, again, a measure of the Italian defence. You know, right place, right time. Yeah, you know, you know, the guy gets a block in, doesn't he? So it, it's uh, you know, it's just one of those things. The story of two opposing pieces of finishing, Matt Dickinson, the Insigne goal. I mean, the way he picked it up on the halfway line. Again, I don't know what the Belgian defence was doing, not coming out to close him down. I think Yuri Tillemans made the point quite strongly after it hit the back of the net, but it was a fitting winner. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, Tillemans was on the booking by then, wasn't he? So he's he's basically when uh, Insigne cuts inside, he's thinking, well, you know. I can't get sent off here, so let's him pass. But as you say, you would expect at that point some one of the, you know, those defenders has got to come down and, and close him down, so he gets the chance to pick the spot. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, still a majestic, majestic finish. Up, you know, certainly beyond the goals of the tournament uh, highlights reel. Um, that, that's that's for sure. No, yeah, beauty. Now, Matt, of course, we I've got a bone to pick with you because look, I, I just look, look it, it's down the line. We can't, we can't get line. lost down the bar. I thought he was going to the tournament. Don't, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it now. Now, I know you love talking about the officials. I don't know whether you still lie in the camp that thinks it's been a brilliant performance from the officials thus far. I've been less impressed by the knockout stages than I was during the group stage. But was it really a penalty? I know it doesn't matter now, but for me, absolutely. I just think it's soft as. You know, you think it was it was it was it dead on? Like you take like you uh, WhatsApped me um, in uh, <laughs> as you know because we, we had no, we had not, nothing not better to do. Not that it's got to be in debt or anything, listeners. Yeah, squabbling squab- <laughs> squab- about it, but no, it was um, it is one of those you you know I can absolutely see why it was given, and I absolutely agree why they didn't overturn it. If it hadn't been given, I wouldn't have been outraged. It's you know basically you know Doku do- does him for pace, and he's got round him, and he risks. He risks a push, you know, whether it's the biggest push in the world or not. He risks it because he has been done for pace, you know, by a player who was, I thought, was Belgian, you know, Belgians, you know, considering he's a teenager, he, you know, he was excellent. Outstanding, he was a controversial pick and and fully justified it. But you know, a defender, a beaten defender, 
takes a risk and you can't you know you can't have any sympathy in that instance even if it does look as you say a bit soft i thought that was definitely a penalty there, there was total intent in that shove total intent it's a shove it was a shove, oh, it was a shove. it's all about what you can get away with if i've been in that position many times particularly a, a winger quicker than me running but running past me <laughs> and you do anything you can to try and put them off as they either take the next touch or put the cross in the box and what he did was he took the push and went over so like it wasn't really bad defending it was the guy was much quicker than him and he tried to put him put him off and it you know it backfired but you're right look the fact that we're, we're arguing about this it was in that grey area as Matt says so yeah it's just one of those that the VAR would never overturn it Either way. It was just one of those things that was really interesting to me that so many people were like, 100% definite nailed on pen. You know, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that it maybe shouldn't have been a penalty at all, but for anyone to think it was an absolute nailed on penalty, I just, I don't see it. I, I think it was bang in the gray area. And really, we should all be able to see both sides of the argument. That's all I'm, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Like, do you want to do Michael Oliver in the red card now, or do you want to save that for another? Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. That's later. definitely on my list of questions. I will come to it because, of course, it happened. Uh, in the game involving Spain and Switzerland. Spain will be the team taking on Italy next. As I mentioned a little bit earlier on, it should be another great game at Euro 2020. The Spanish needed extra time again to get past Switzerland. In fact, they went all the way to penalties this time around. Now, a, a special stat for you, Spain are just the sixth team to come through two separate extra time ties at the Euros. Uh, maybe this is a quiz question. Any of you know this, but what happened to all previous five teams that have done it in the past? Matt, do you know? Matt Dickinson, Lawton, Gregor? They won it. Absolutely correct. All five teams that have got through two extra time knockout games have gone on to win the European Championship. And that is a massive, as far as I'm concerned, that is a massive good omen for Spain. Uh, Matt Lawton, I'll start with you. The Spanish, they love possession. They seem to hate putting the ball in the back of the net, though, because they had 73% of the ball, 28 shots, just the one goal. Is this going to hold them back? Looking at the tournament so far, you've got to you've got to say the Italians are favourites for that game for, for the, all the reasons we've just detailed. They're not the Spain of old, um, for sure. You know, they're not quite up there with with, with the team that won three tournaments on the bounce. I, you know, I have to I have to confess, you, I didn't have proper eyes on the game tonight because I was still working trying to find out what the England team is tomorrow but um, <laughs> um, but but you know I did sit and watch the penalties and <laughs> thought uh, yeah when Busquets um, uh, hit the post you're thinking oh they're doomed but somehow they got through no I I, I, I look they, they still play lovely football because it's it's the way they play football on form they're not going to win that they're not going to win the next game no chance I mean, it's amazing, amazing with the, the, the substitution of Morata, wasn't it? I mean, I was one of those that you sort of, you know, 10 minutes after half time, and then sending on Moreno, who misses a load of chances. Three, to, I mean, three great chances, know, yeah. Exactly. We thought, we thought we'd seen the Morata story sort of turn, you know, after the victory over Croatia. And, you know, he seemed, he seemed you know, to have sort of shrugged off any, any questions in that one. So it was, yeah. And, a real roller coaster because he, yeah, to, to get hooked. And as far as I understand, it's not an injury issue. So, um, you know, that, that shows, that shows what issues Spain have got at the sharp end. Josie Mourinho actually summed up pretty well in his sort of analysis and in, in yesterday's podcast and that you don't really know what, what Spain you're going to get here. I think, it, you know, you're, you're just saying they can't put the ball in the back of the net. They scored 10 goals in the two previous games. You like th- that's how confusing they are. It's. I, I'm just still not convinced by them. I just. I think that is that is an issue against big, better opposition. They played Slovakia, and as I said, a wild game against Croatia. 
against better opposition. Morata up front, even Moreno, they're just they lack that cutting edge. So I, I'd be surprised if it t- takes them all away. The thing about it is I watched that game and I thought these guys might be tricky opponents for England. I was thinking very much through those uh, lenses, but it was the possession that they have and the quality of the possession that they had, which of course wasn't really amounting to much in the final third, but the way that their three midfielders were so comfortable on the ball, even Pedri, the youngster, some of the passes that he was playing, I suddenly thought maybe Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice would have trouble getting the ball of these guys. I don't know if they'd beat England necessarily, but I just think they would be a tricky opponent. I wonder whether it might be the case for Italy as well, because, you know, we can talk about the chances missed. They still pretty much monopolise possession against everyone they've played so far. What do you think, Gregor? Can they win the game against Italy in that regard, keeping the ball? That's not a surprise. It's this, that's what I'm sure we'd all expect from Spain. They're technically very, very good to keep the ball and move it. They don't, Move it with much kind of purpose, though, all the time. You know, it's a lot of a lot of playing it through midfield. They're coming back out to switch play, and it's just that final bit. And, and you have to say, Tor- Torres has been pretty good, um, but they just that final bit. I think that's that's what they're lacking. And Italy are just Italy are much more dynamic opposition, um, and I think actually Italy can can dominate in that midfield area. Italy's midfield trio, I would say, have been the best in the competition. I think Italy can can dominate that and as I've said already Spinazzolo will be a huge loss but the kind of energy and the way that they press as well I think I think Italy will still be favourites in that game they got a big leg up in, in this game as well you know with a deflected goal Biel and Bola going off injured you know the red card will come to I'm sure but I thought Switzerland despite obviously being a sort of inferior team to, to Spain they're Show great spirit and, you know, to hang in there and obviously until the penalties at the end. So I thought Switzerland deserves some credit. No, I, I thought they defended really, really well. I, I wonder whether Petkovic could have changed the system when they had 10 men. Um, he played 4-4-1, which for me was just like, well, we're just, it's basically, you know, against the ropes. Let's see if the other other team can score. There wasn't really any endeavour. You know, I, I look, maybe he did the right thing because he did get it to penalties and he got the game back to an even keel. In that regard, it could have gone either way. It just wasn't to be for him. So maybe I shouldn't be too harsh on him. But maybe, Matt, I should be harsh on Michael Oliver, the referee. I don't know what you think about this one. Freuler sent off, straight red card, dished out by our very own. Do you think it was the right call? I think he sees the two feet going, doesn't he? And he thinks that's it. I mean, I thought on the replay, it was, I thought it was, it was a, you know, yellow bordering on orange, more like, to be honest, I didn't, you know, on that. But I think he sees an angle I saw, you could see like the two feet, you know, going in at shin height. And it's one of those ones that, you know, that's one of those tackles, you know, when that happens, that sort of two foot look is that's when referees, you know, those are often a red card. But I think, you know, I thought a replay showed it to be in, in more like, Yellow, 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 and orange to me. It was interesting. Peter Walton backed the referee, didn't he? Backed Oliver. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's a surprise. Yeah, I know. I know they. I know they do stick together. But yeah, there, there is a big thing about endangering. You know, endangering opponents. And you know, if they don't crack down on that, then you know, it, it's players do get unnecessarily injured, don't they? And it's it's um, it's tough, isn't it? You know, you know the view that that. He won the ball, but um, if you win the ball by going in two-footed, it's you can see why referees punish it. Matt, we're cracking down on it now to the the point that you, you know you don't want players to get tackled accidentally. You know, it's just so fragile the game now. You know, you got Graham Souness and Roy Keane watching on, saying the game's gone. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't want people tackling with two feet. 
you know, absolutely tackling, you know, the art of tackling remains an art, you know, it remains, it remains part of the game. But when people go in with two feet like that, it's, yeah. We should also say that, you know, Graham Sooners would have been banned for about six years on some of his tackles. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've mentioned it already, but Luis Enrique, just on the Spanish manager, Gregor, I think this was a, a difficult time full stop for Spain. In fact, I just found out today that they're, they've been making a, you know, fly on the wall documentary throughout, yeah. which should be pretty good to watch. Luis Enrique is, has always been for me an intriguing character, even when he was a player. Of course, the situation with him as Spain manager, where he went away and then came back and all of the upheaval, but also the arguments, of course, as well with um, his previous assistant. You know, for me, it's been an unsettled Spain squad. And suddenly it seems like they're, they're finding a rhythm, uh, just finding a way by hook or by crook. And I wonder how much you think Luis Enrique's philosophy plays a part. That's a, oh, that's a difficult question. That's I think that yeah, we also have to take into consideration the context of the, the way they came into this tournament. And it was the huge, huge disruption. I think their last, their last friendly game, they gave like, 14 debuts because it was all like all their under 21s they they were all isolated and they so there's there is that to consider i think we're seeing we're seeing a lot of what we would expect from from spain and from kind of penalty box to penalty box they are really pretty close to what we would we would expect to see from a decent spain side and i think they are decent i just think they last they lack that final bit and that you know they've, they've always had a recognizable top top quality elite level striker and they just don't have that that player at the moment we thought you know we've, we've discussed Morata a lot on this, on this podcast. I don't think he is that that player, or if he is, it's kind of it only comes out fleetingly. So I think that's their biggest issue. We can talk about centre half as well. You know, Laporte and and Pauter has gotten an awful mess for the for the equaliser. They gifted them the equaliser, really. But they're playing they're playing some good football. It's a very Spain football. It's just not. It's just not. I don't think it's going to take them all the way in this tournament. I'm looking forward to that game. I, I don't know what Spain will bring, what Spain will see, but I think um, if they give a good account of themselves, I think it'll be a decent game. I still believe Italy will win, and we'll look ahead to that next week, of course. But um, right now, I think the Italians will be riding high because I think they put in one of the best performances to knock out a Belgian team who just fall at the, the final hurdle again. Just a final word on them because this is meant to be their golden generation. Matt Dickinson and some of those players are getting on Roberto Martinez the manager I got a message at the end of the game would you keep Martinez as the uh, the Belgian boss well I thought absolutely that game was fitting for a final for me you know it was that good an Italy side and of course they didn't put themselves to shame it's not like they were hammered so of course I'd keep him but the players might not last yeah, and I thought there was a sort of a, felt like um, De Bruyne was carrying almost too much weight today. I thought he, you know, he was, you know, trying to carry the ball huge distances. Try, I mean, he was trying to be a match winner, and I don't criticise him for that. But you know, without Aiden Hazard, um, that burden was even heavier on him. But yeah, I just felt it. They're not. They're not. You know, Martinez has got some questions to answer. They're not proving good at getting the job done. You know, I mean, you could say World Cup semi-final, then they've not, you know, they put in some some great performances, but you'd expect that given the players they've got. And I, I, there is something about them that is that does this seem to be lacking in terms of, well, you, you could just see in the contrast with Italy today, couldn't you, that the Italy, Italy were the assertive team. Italy were the dominant team. Italy were the team that imposed their their what they wanted from the game on a, a colossally talented Belgium squad. So I think, you know, I think there are some questions about that. I, you know, there's not a lot he could do about, you know, you've got an aging 
back line and that yeah there's a sort of comp- some compromising having to be done on that i think they've you know that's obviously why that they're very wary of of pushing hard and being a, a sort of you know too aggressive and too front foot and playing too high because you've got a defense of 30 plus year olds but it's you know that's that 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 has been a bit of an achilles heel i think for them it's forced them to sit back a bit um at times but yeah i think i think their formula has has just looked a bit predictable, basically, at times, which when you consider the players that they've got and some creative players, yeah, I think there is some questions to ask about how, you know, it doesn't feel still to me like this very talented group have shown their best, you know, over a whole tournament. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one. I'm sure the Belgians will be licking their wounds, but it's the Italians and the Spanish who go marching on. The question is, who will join them? Up next, we'll get Jose Mourinho's views on the game in Rome between England and Ukraine. But if you're enjoying the game podcast, of course, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now. Just go online at searchthetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. the Germany game was just to prove what I was already feeling and I believe people was feeling, which was they are a pragmatic, solid, compact team. They are not the most beautiful team. They don't play the most beautiful football. They are not there to entertain. They are there to win. And they don't concede goals. They, they have good solidarity, they have tactical knowledge, they can play back four, they can play back five, they can score a goal and then control uh, the game like they did uh, even in group, in group stage matches. They are a solid team and, you know, uh, Portugal won the last Euros. Uh, I think Portugal won only one match. I think Portugal won only against Wales over 90 minutes. A part of that, draw, win on extra time, win on penalties. And and this is many, many times the way you succeed 
in this competition. So for me, the England team, since the beginning, I have this, this positive uh, feeling. And even when they drew against, uh, against Scotland, you know, people wanted England to smash Scotland, but Scotland did well. And there was a moment where England, instead of risk something, they just decide, okay, zero, zero is not fantastic. It's not what people want, but we are going to finish first with this result. We are going to qualify with this result. So no risk. And they have this kind of, uh, of approach that I believe is going to be uh, the same approach for the next matches. And honestly, I don't see England not playing the final at Wembley. Next up is Ukraine for England. And I know in the times you advocated for the last match, moving to the system that Kara Southgate eventually did play at the back, you know, the 3-4-3. Would you change it to go back to how England started the competition, the 4-2-3-1? Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't need the extra uh, third defender against Ukraine. You can have an extra attacking player or an extra a creative player, uh, Ukraine is going to defend. Ukraine is, Ukraine is going to be uh, defending in a lower, in a lower block. Uh, England has to go inside of that block. England has to go behind that block. England has to, to give maximum width uh, to try to, to stretch them. I don't feel any need of playing with three in the, uh, in the back. They can bring perfectly an extra attacking player to the team and and play a, a complete different game that they played against Germany. In that way, I think it could be an attacking performance from England. Does that mean that you, you feel like we'll see more from Harry Kane? That's what the fans want to see. I think he will score goals. I see him, of course, super happy with the quarterfinal, uh, super happy with what the team is doing. Uh, his goal... I think was a kind of just, you know, uh, an extra for him, but he has a chance now to, to improve and uh, to score goals. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that we are going to have more, more from Harry. Many neutrals have adopted Denmark into their hearts. Do you think the Czech Republic can stop them? I think so. I would say uh, Denmark has a little bit more of um of attacking power. They have good attacking players. Uh, even, of course, without Christian, uh, they found a way uh, to find solutions. Even with Paulson uh, not playing the last match, uh, they had Dolberg and Dolberg comes and Damsgaard. They have, they have players that can create and they can, they can score. Um, defensively, they are very experienced. Uh, they are playing now with three. Uh, Christensen plays for Chelsea. Uh, Kjaer plays for Milan. Uh, Vestergaard plays in the Premier League. Um, so they have a good experience. They are a good team. Uh, Czech Republic, I don't think they are as talented as they are, but they have a very solid team. Uh, tactically, they are good. Uh, Schick is playing uh, so, so well, but the kinds of Suchek and Kufal and colors and you know they they know how to perform so i think this game is not going to be spectacular but it's a game that can go in in both directions 
And of course, you can read more from Jose Mourinho in the Times and Sunday Times throughout the tournament. So as I say, make sure you are subscribed. But let's react uh, to some of what he's been saying. Matt Lawton, Jose, uh, believes that there is no way England won't be in the Euro 2020 final. Do you agree? They've got a brilliant chance. Of course they have, because they're in the they're in the arguably easier side of the draw. And when you look at when you look at tomorrow's game, England go into this game as an unbeaten team and haven't conceded a goal. Ukraine actually lost two of their group games, lost to Austria, lost to the Dutch, only beat North Macedonia. You know, on paper, they should they should progress. And and, and then it's and then it's either Denmark, who are dangerous, or a Czech team they've already beaten once. So yeah, Jose is right to be optimistic, but this is tournament football, and um, and you know we've we've had sort of a, this kind of optimism in the past, and it's been it's been dashed. And um, so I think it's you know I, I think the whole sort of messaging that Southgate is is putting out there, the sort of speech today about this is our Everest, you know, still got to be climbed. He's trying to actually remind the players, remind the fans, not that there'll be that many in, in, in Rome tomorrow, but just remind everyone that there's still a hell of a lot to do here and, and, and not to simply assume, and I know I did predict an Italy-England final about 10 minutes ago, but not to simply <laughs> assume that, um, that it's, it's going to be a walk to Wembley next Sunday. You know, it, it, it isn't. You know, the Ukraine have got some good players. Uh, players like Zinchenko being incredibly important for them at this tournament. Um, you know, Stepanenko in midfield. You know, uh, you know, we're expecting to see at least one change in central midfield because of the bookings. I think Henderson will be back in the team. Um, and there's going to be another reshuffle up front because, as Southgate said today, Saka Saka's taking a bit of a knock. Um, the reason I wasn't keeping both eyes on the Spain game is because we're still trying to work out if it's Sancho or Mount. Um, uh, I'd be surprised if it's Sancho, but that was the sort of, that was the word going around this afternoon. Um, so <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, I, I, it's far from a done deal that England get to the final. Just on this point, um, there are some football fans that believe the newspapers and journalists should not be reporting the team news on the day of a game. I know that happened earlier on to Gareth Southgate. Well, Matt, you've got to do your job. So, you know, I'm not blaming you directly, but um, is that a stand-up thing to do? I've No, I've always, you know what, we've had these, I remember, I remember Roy Hodgson had just got the job and it was one of his first games. It was a game at Wembley. And I remember the night before I heard that Oxlade Chamberlain was starting. And that was the kind of, that was the news story. And I had it in the paper the next day. And at the end of the press conference, Hodgson went for me at the end of the press conference and had a right go at me for putting his team in the paper. But my view has always been this, Hugh, is that if the opposition manager is, because we don't always get it right, right? We don't always get it right. Sometimes we do, but honestly, I've been at games in the last few years where we've got half the team wrong. And and so if the opposition manager is picking up the Daily Star and going, right, right, they're, going, they're playing 4-3-3. Three, three. It says it here in the Daily Star. I'm right, we've got to change our formation. We've got to change our tactics. If the opposition manager is basing it on what we think the team might be, then it's insane because we don't always get it right. And, and it's just, you're trying to sort of, 
you're trying to be informed in, in what you're writing about, but it's, it's never a certainty. I always recall with, 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 um, with, uh, uh, Ericsson, with, with, with Ericsson, you used to be able to get the team if you got wind of how they were training. But even then, it wouldn't always be right. I remember there was a game down at Southampton. I think it was Macedonia. Uh, Dicko might remember. They were playing Macedonia. And and we thought we knew what the team was. But what we didn't know was that in part of the training session, he decided to play Wayne Bridge and Ashley Cole on the left. I can't remember who was in front of... I'm guessing Bridge was playing in sort of midfield, you know, left left wing ahead of ahead of Cole. And, and, and that was the team the next day. So put it this way, if the Macedonian manager was reading my piece the next morning <laughs> and basing his tactics on that, he got a bit of a surprise. He got as big a surprise as we did. So I just, you know, I just don't buy it that, that, that we're giving the game away. Now, if you've just put down your copy of The Times, having read Matt's article <laughs> yeah, about what yeah, the exactly. team might be, uh, no need to call trading standards. <laughs> because we told you it's not always right. There you go. Just let me add this here with Gareth. It's such a tight ship. It's really hard to know what the team is. It's really hard to find out. They don't talk. You know, the, 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 they keep it very tight. Okay, let's hope they keep it tight at the back as well. We'll be talking about the defence in just a second. But I wonder, Gregor, on Ukraine, whether you feel they can hurt England at all? Absolutely, yeah. Um, particularly down the flanks. As Matt said, Zinchenko's got a great delivery. Wonderful cross for the for their late winner the other day. If Yarmolenko's fit, as I've said, he's got an absolute wonderful left foot. They have got some talented players. I've liked uh, Yaramchuk as well. He's been, I think he's been really impressive so far. It's just going to be interesting to see what kind of shape they're in too because it's been, their last game was just, must have taken a hell of a lot out of them. So, yes, they do. But they, well, we know that they're going to set out to to try and disrupt and frustrate. And the, it, I think the, the most important thing is how England react to that. And I like, I don't mean by like how if we all react to it on Twitter. <laughs> like, <laughs> how England like, reacts. Exactly. And now there's like a meltdown after like 20 minutes when it's still nil-nil and, you know, they've not had a shot on target. It's just how England continue to... It's always a bigger challenge in Germany because Germany is Germany. <laughs> yeah, if, you're not, if you're not creating chance after chance against Germany or, you know, showing, you didn't show much in the way of creativity right up until 70-odd minutes it was still kind of manageable. But if if the game ticks on against Ukraine and, you know, you're not showing, you know, again, everybody's looking at the bench saying, who can you throw on? There's so many, so many choices to, to try and open, open the door. That's when it becomes a little bit cagey, I think. So, you know, an early goal would be very, very good for England uh, tomorrow. Would be absolutely. Matt Dickinson, my question, I guess, my next question is, is two rolled into one, like most of my questions, I guess. The back three or a back four I don't know Jose Mourinho says go for it against Ukraine what system you think Gareth Southgate should be playing in this game and then I think the second part of it is whether you think there will be tweaks because of a change of system or not and uh, what those tweaks might be yeah I mean Ukraine have uh, played a bit of both but I think uh, you know I think this is a game where England have to just go out and, and you know like we said before about what Italy have been exceptional at of just impose impose their you know, their needs and their system on the game, which given the amount of ball we would expect them to have, you know, that's 
that should be possible. Um, as Jose says, it, I think it does make sense to go back to the back four. I think you will get an extra, you know, we'll get an extra cent, you know, body in central midfield. To me, I would be resting Phillips because, you know, I think um, I would want him fresh for the semi-final. I, I, I just think he is, he's almost become, you know, a, a, an asset we don't, you know, we really can't afford to. And I think with Henderson as a instant, you know, ready-made, you know, he's had a couple of games now off the bench, you know, he's been regaining his fitness. So I just think that's obvious. I would bring Mason Mount back in. It's almost funny that, we, you know, we've sort of, in his absence, almost forgotten just how valuable he has been to England over, you know, the last year or so. Just what a, you know, and in a game where we are, you know, I spoke to Jose earlier for his column for tomorrow and he basically said, you know, Ukraine, more than anything, are going to bring organisation. It's England's responsibility to bring disorganisation, to create chaos in this game. And the reason, the way you obviously do that is by fast recycling of the ball across, you know, whipping it across from side to side. And I think Mount will be crucial for doing that in midfield. I mean, Mourinho was saying that he thinks Grealish is another player who will bring that that chaos to the game. But yeah, whether he starts is another matter. But I would have thought, I would have thought Henderson for Phillips and Mount in in that midfield to me strike me as you know not saying Southgate's going to do it but you know extremely uncontroversial choices and almost obvious ones. Dicko, you just given the game away there, mate. I happen to know that Andrei Shevchenko is a regular listener to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you've, just, you've just you've just given him the team. I, I can't believe it. It's, At it's, this point, you know, if, could, if, we, if England lose now, it's on you, pal. I could tell you my, my I could give you my uh, my Andrei Shevchenko name name drop story of once being in his house in Wentworth when he was a Chelsea player and um, he had a Ballon d'Or on the mantelpiece, which I have to say is you know as 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 ornaments go on a mantelpiece that was that was pretty um, pretty impressive. It's up there with your Not regional bad. regional reporter of the year award. On your, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. East Anglia young reporter of the year in 1986. <laughs> Listen, you, you're a winner nonetheless. You know, you're exactly. in the same category. You can yeah. only beat what's in front of you, as they say. Uh, another yeah. saying which has emerged on this podcast, as Gregor put it not too long ago, in Gareth we trust. So Matt Lawton, <laughs> is Gareth Southgate now unquestionable having dismissed the Germans? Or do you think uh, people will still be prodding at his team selection and personnel tomorrow? I think his position is extremely secure. I think he's having another brilliant tournament. I think we've seen, I think we, we're seeing him evolve. I think we, I wrote a piece about it a couple of days ago. We are seeing, I think we're seeing Gareth um, learning the lessons, not just the last World Cup, but the Nations League. And I just think you talk to, you know, I, I, I spoke to a few people inside the camp um, when I was driving back from 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 London the, the next day after the Germany game. And there's, there's just great unity that he's, he's got everybody with him on this and, and everyone believes in what he's doing. You know, the players have completely bought into it. You can see that. And, and no, I, I think he's, I think he's completely secure uh, in his position. Um, whatever happens on, uh, whatever happens tomorrow, it would be massively disappointing if, if, if this opportunity was missed, but um yeah, he he would definitely, if he wants to keep going, and and I very much hope he does because I think he's just so well suited to the job. You know, I, I think Gareth Southgate is when he, you know, th- this should be a bit of a, a Joachim Lowe kind of situation with England, and he should be allowed to do it for as long as he wants to do it. 
And then even after that, I don't think the FA should let him leave. I, you know, I think his his combined experience of having been a player, having been the technical director, having been the under twenty one manager, and now being the manager, you you create a role for him after this. You you, you know you make him some sort of slightly sort of glorified you know senior technical director position, uh, and and you let him run it until he's until he's completely knackered and doesn't want to work at all you know (laughs) you just don't let him leave the building so I don't see any issue with that I mean Yogi Love did have the the small detail on his CV of winning the World Cup which I think would help Gareth Southgate in in achieving those aims you mentioned Matt Gregor yeah absolutely but you know he's he's, he's amazing he he wins tomorrow and he's the most successful manager since Ramsey I mean you know in terms of major tournaments that's that's that becomes unarguable doesn't it i mean that's yeah that's that's what we're talking about which you know you could say well yeah what's what's <laughs> in england management terms it's a, it's a tale of disappointment but that you know that's not a that is not a small thing is it to be the second most successful manager uh, english manager of all time england you know the fa have appointed some big name managers over the over the over the last sort of 10 15 years 20 years you know they've gone for the ericsons they've gone for the capellos this guy's getting more out of the players than they ever did. You know, he, he, he needs some credit for that. You know, the the, the, the opportunities that were wasted by Ericsson. And, and actually, when you reflect on Ericsson, he got to three quarterfinals. Southgate's doing a better job than Ericsson ever did. I agree with all of that, but I still think it's on a knife edge. You, you know, reading a lot now that he's earned the right to kind of, to pick his team and play his way and whatnot now, I still think 45 minutes of dour football with no chances and no shots on target or anything, and everyone will be screaming. I think that's just the way it is. <laughs> Dick was just saying everyone's forgot that that Mason Mount was England's most important player. The news cycle and the kind of the world turns so quickly in in a European Championship or a World Cup in a major tournament like this, and it'll turn within the <laughs> the space of a game as well. I think I'm not saying he's going to look. He's completely safe and secure. I think I just think that another like uh, any sign of like a, what feels like a step backwards. And that'll still be there'll still be questions and marks about the way he's pay, way he's playing, the team he's picking, why he's not playing him, why he's not playing him. I just think that's the way it, way you guys are wired. Sorry, Jose's advice to him is to um, I mean it was an interesting column to do as people can read. It was because um, he I just got got him talking about the pressures of being you know I mean obviously he was talking about the club ones, but he was saying about how you know for example he has the two phones and one is just for close family in in the run up to a big game in particular. He turns the other phone off just so he, you know, he can't take any calls. So he's, you know, he's not talking football to anyone. But he says, you know, go out the house for a walk late at night, and there'll be someone, you know, walking their dog, and it'll be Jose, you know, pick so and so for this game, or you go and put, you know, put some petrol in the car, and there'll be someone saying, oh, you know, make sure you pick him. And he said, you, you can go nuts with it, you know, even as an experienced manager. So he said, you literally just have to not listen to, you know, turn off talk sport, even, um, you know, don't read the <laughs> times, even. Um, uh, and he said he literally will cut himself off, isolate himself. He said you just almost put yourself in a sealed room so that you are not hearing that noise. And it'd be interesting, you know, Gareth Southgate tells us that that's, that's what he's doing as well. You know, Gareth, I know you're listening, but, you know, you can keep up the pretense, <laughs> keep up the pretense if you like. If Jose turns off TalkSport and stops reading the Times, the only person he's avoiding is himself, which would be slightly weird. But... <laughs> uh, Gregor, final word on this. You look like you, you've got something to say very quickly. No, no, I mean, I, I think that that's what one of the things Southgate deserves the most credit for. It's kind of bravery to ignore all the, the noise and yeah. the, you know, the public clamour for Jack Grealish to star or whatever it is he just he's doing his own thing and that's great but I don't think that turns everything off 
I don't think a win against Germany turns off all the noise suddenly. That's all I'm saying. But Southgate deserves great credit. Gregor, there'll be noise. Of course there will, because there is nothing like the England team for scrutiny. There is, there is nothing like it. There is exactly. nothing like yeah. it in, in sport. You know, it, you know, we talk about World Cups versus Olympic Games. You could argue that the Olympic Games is a bigger sporting event. But for, 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 the, for the British public and for the British media, there is nothing like the England football team. It, 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 it's insane, the, 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 the sort of scrutiny it comes under. But, but what, what I was really talking about was in terms of his employers, the way he's regarded at the FA, that he, he is completely secure. And what you know, whatever happens, he he's got a job. He he will be the manager in Qatar if he wants to be. Let's hope we're saying the same thing tomorrow evening because it could be another Iceland moment. Who knows for England? Well, I'm still worried about it. I still remember those things, Greg. Don't laugh at me. Uh, we'll also reflect there on. There can Denmark. never be another. There can never be another Iceland <laughs> moment. Believe me. Let's hope we're playing that back Famous to last words. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> look, loads for us to look forward to uh, and react to in 24 hours' time. Denmark again to Czech Republic as well. Could be another great day at Euro 2020. But as Matt was saying to you just a few moments ago, you can read Jose Mourinho's thoughts ahead of the football on Saturday in the Times right now. Uh, Gregor Robertson, Matt Dickinson, Matt Lawton, thank you for joining me on The Game Podcast. And thank you, all of you, for listening as well. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times right now and get it for less than a pound a day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. We'll see you on Saturday today night. control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.